Let's pray together. Father, we want to pause as always as we reflect on those verses that tell us the truth about who you are and what you've commanded us to do. But God, thank you that you have promised because of who you are to help us, to enable us, empower us to do what you've commanded us to do. God, we thank you that our faith is built upon not only the finished work of Christ, but the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. How he empowers us, enables us to obey your commands. And as we said last week, God, we ask you to fill us now with your Holy Spirit. God, help me to communicate this message in a way that is first and foremost honoring to you and then helpful to us. God, we ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, our hearts to love these words, God, because these words are what set Christianity apart. It's what makes our faith utterly different, God, that you empower us. And so, God, we ask you to do that now. For the sake of Jesus' name, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you were here last week, we talked about how, yes, Christianity is a religion, um, and there's that pithy phrase that we can say, that cliche phrase a lot of times that says, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. And I did my best to explain to you that, yes, it is empowered by a relationship, but it's still a religion. Because by religion, we mean it has a set of beliefs, it has a set of behaviors, commandments that we are commanded to follow. Just because Jesus came onto the scene, it doesn't mean that God lessened the commands at all. And so Christianity is a religion. It is a set of beliefs and practices. But what makes Christianity different than any other religion is it is the only one that empowers those the, those, uh, the ability to obey those commandments. It's the only one that empowers through a relationship the ability to live out the religion. And our whole message was about the role of the Holy Spirit as a helper. And, and that topic is so important that we're gonna hit it again this week because Jesus hits it again this week in John chapter 14. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. As always, if you don't have one, we'll have the verses on the screen. If you don't even own one, we would love to give you a gift, uh, one as a gift after our gathering is over. But we're gonna be in John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26, just doing two verses in John chapter 14. And that doesn't mean the message is gonna be any shorter, all right? Uh, but it does mean that these verses are important. And so I didn't wanna move on too quickly. Originally, my goal was to finish out chapter 14 this week, but as it's been indicative of this whole series, I just can't quit it, all right? I can't move on too quickly. And so we're gonna do just two verses in John chapter 14, but then I'm gonna give you some supporting verses from other parts of the Bible to help explain what Jesus talked about. So we'll go John chapter 14, then we'll go John, or then Romans chapter eight, and then a few more that I'll tell you about when we get there. But John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26, this is the core text for today. Jesus says this, again, just continuing on in this conversation. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still 
with you. If you were here last week, we talked about the two different words for with. This one is para, which means an associate, next to. So he's, he's saying, I'm here with you physically right now, but as we talked last week, there's gonna be a metaphysical one. There's gonna be one that's after me, and that's why he says in verse 26, but the helper. And I love how he capitalizes that. I mean, he didn't. We did when we wrote it. He said it, but you know what I'm saying. You know how when you say something and it, 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 it's all caps, it's like when we text people now in all caps, you're like, why are you yelling at me, bro? You know, it's this, it's this con- I mean, Jesus is emphasizing something here. And so John, and then obviously the translators later, highlighted it for emphasis, so it's capitalized. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The helper. So last week we talked about kind of, again, originally building this out. The title was Another Helper and how he was coming after Jesus. He was the metaphysical one. He was the one supernaturally that was going to empower our bodies now to obey Jesus. And so here Jesus is going to hit it again. In fact, in this conversation that Jesus is going to have with his disciples, he is going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit five different times. And so we've done it once, now's the second one, and we have a couple more times to go when we get into chapter 16 and 17. Because I think Jesus is wanting to hammer home a point here. And it's a good point, and it's a point that I want to emphasize because I think a lot of times it gets underemphasized, and then therefore a lot of us live powerless lives. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm leaving. Yes, you need to know that. I know that's upsetting, but it's actually better for you. Why? Because as we talked last week, the Holy Spirit will move from outside with us to inside us. And this is why I said, and again, I hope you took it to heart last week when I said, The prayer that we pray, that just kind of cliche as well, of God be with us, is one of those prayers that really makes no sense theologically, but actually is the concept of the Holy Spirit moving from inside back outside. We don't have him as an associate outside with us. We have him inside empowering us. And I don't know about you, if you were in any prayers this week or had any prayer times where someone prayed be with you, I did, and it was one of those things that, and I said, I'm gonna ruin you forever, hopefully. When someone does that, immediately you're gonna lift your head up and look around and see if anybody else noticed. Well, on Thursday, just to give you some some grace, I was in a group of pastors, not just here from our church, but from other churches, friends of ours, part of our church planning network, and one of the pastors, uh, he's on staff at another one of the churches, we're sitting around, or standing around, about to meet, and we pray, because you know we're about to eat and you gotta do that. And so we prayed, and as he was praying, he was like, Lord, be with us. And I looked up, and nobody looked around, no one looked up, and I'm like, obviously y'all didn't listen to my message last week, because (laughs) what's going down right now in this prayer circle shouldn't be happening. And my wife wasn't there, Pastor David wasn't there, Pastor Chad wasn't there, and so I was looking up for them, and I'm like, oh, you know. And I was joking afterwards, but it was just one of those things that highlighted this, and I've actually had a couple conversations with people in our church that said, hey, pastor, last week when we prayed, I didn't say be with us anymore. I said, fill us with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's what you should do. And the reason why I'm emphasizing that, and I think the reason why Jesus is emphasizing that 
or this, is he wants us to know the help that is available to us. He is the helper. That's his name. He is here to help us. And so to try to help illustrate this even more, I want this to stick into your brain like stuff sticks onto a pan after you cook stuff, all right? I want this to stick. And speaking of cooking, you know, anytime I can relate a message to food, it just helps me, all right? And as I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, the helper, the helper, the helper. And I don't know if you've done this yet, but something came to my mind. You know, I'm from Texas, and in Texas we have these things called cows. They're pretty awesome. It's like when I moved here to Georgia and all the barbecue was pork. I'm like, what the mess is this? Give me some cows. And um, brisket's just better. I'm just saying, don't email me, all right? If you got a problem with that, there's other great churches in town, all right? So, <laughs> but I was thinking about helper, and I want to show you a picture of what came to my mind. I have it here on the screen. This is what came to my mind. <laughs> Hamburger. Helper, hamburger, helper. And, and you see that little hand there? It's left-handed. It's kind of, you know, only three fingers and a thumb there. I don't know what their thought was on that, but it was intentional why they chose that as a hand. And I started thinking about hamburger helper and I was like, oh, this will be a perfect sermon illustration. But I started doing some research on it. And this is where it really blew me away. Because I, I thought about the name, and I was like, why did they call it Hamburger Helper? Because according to me, hamburgers don't need no help. I don't know if you knew this, but hamburgers were actually created in Athens, Texas. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't like Athens because we played them in high school, but I like the burgers that they made. But in my opinion, hamburger don't need no help. So I was like, why in the world did they create this name? And so I went into a nice little thing that Al Gore invented called the interwebs, searched it, and here's what I found, and it was fascinating to me. Now, you may have known this, especially if you were a child or you were cooking in the early 70s, let's say. I'm a child of the 70s, but late 70s. I wasn't cooking then, but I was eating. But in the early 70s, the price of beef skyrocketed. This thing called inflation. I know we know nothing about that right now. It's hard, for, just imagine. <laughs> just imagine. Prices went through the roof. And there was a beef shortage, partly because of inflation, partly because of other things. And the price of beef skyrocketed. So General Mills decided to try to help families out. They would create this product to help their hamburger go further so that they could take a pound of a burger, of you know, ground beef, instead of making a bunch of patties, they can mix it in with this and have an entire meal for their whole family. Because they were trying to help families out to make their hamburger go further. 
which to me is a very noble task. So they invented Hamburger Helper to help it, to help out the people that were suffering underneath this crippling time in the 70s where things were outrageous. Interest rates went crazy, everything went crazy. Again, if you were alive during that time, you can remember. You would get a loan, an interest rate on your house of like 10% and you thought you had just struck gold because it was down from 16. Crazy times. I know, hard for us to imagine. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, now I like this illustration even more. Because now this illustration fits in a way that I hope we will always remember and never forget about the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, all right? The Holy Spirit is our human helper. Our human helper. Where we get help and God gets glory. Where we get help and God gets glory. See, the thing that I think is so important for us to understand is that God set up the system in order for you to need help. God set up the system in order for you to need help. In fact, before they needed help, Jesus told them, I already got a solution for your need, the helper. The Father's gonna send another helper. He's gonna send the helper to help you because you can't do this without us. And here's why I am stressing this. I think a lot of times when we think about the Father, when we think about God the Father, we wrongly read into who he is based upon our experiences on this physical planet about fathers. We feel like he's constantly mad at us, that he's constantly exasperated with us, that if we ask for help another time, he's gonna be like, boy. But here's what I want you to hear me say. God never gets tired of us asking for help. Never. God is an inexhaustible resource. He holds up this universe by the word of his power, the Bible says, just by the word. He doesn't even have to lift a finger. He just, he just speaks it and it comes into existence. And so the same God who brought everything into existence by just saying it is available to us 24-7, 365. The Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers. And he says to you, I'm going to give you a helper to help you that you just need to ask for help from. And so I want you to hear this. God never gets tired of us asking him for help. In my, in my early days of, of walking with Jesus, I had only been a Christian by about six or seven years, and I was in college, and I became an intern at a church. And as I was working there, I was you know, still trying to figure things out. And I'll never forget, I was working with another intern. There were several of us working. And this one time, I had to go pick up one of the interns from her house. She was like renting this small little apartment. 
And so I was, we were going to the office and I was swinging by to pick her up. And then when I pulled up, she hadn't come outside yet. And so I you know, honked the horn. This is, I don't remember if we had text messages back then, but I was letting her know that I was there. And then she came out and she said, hey, I can't find my keys. So I'm looking for them, it'd just be a minute. And she said, can you get out and come help me look for my car keys? I said, sure, no problem. And then before we went inside to look for her keys, she said this, this blew me away. She's like, hey, do you mind if we pray first and ask the Holy Spirit to help me, help us find my keys? I kid you not. Now remember, I was just an intern. I laughed. And the reason why I laughed, I was like, why are we praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to help us find some keys? Like, we got brains, two feet, arms, right? Like, let's just go look. It never occurred to me to pray and ask for help from the Holy Spirit to find her keys. I, I thought that's, isn't that a, like, I mean, isn't he like holding the universe in orbit? That's kind of, this is kind of like mundane for him, right? Like, we shouldn't bother him with this one. And what struck me is the nature of her relationship with God was more intimate than mine was because her first thought before we started searching was to pray about it. And I don't know if this is the difference between male and female, because obviously, you know, it's like we're hunters, gatherers, like, you know, Lindsay's like, let's go shop. I don't like to look. I like to tag it and bag it and leave, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, let's go look. And, and I'll never forget how that profoundly changed my thought process about the role of the Holy Spirit. And her and I talked about it later. And she's like, well, Jason, we needed help. I couldn't find my, I had already looked and I, was and I needed help. And you probably know the story, right? We prayed, went in. She prayed that the Holy Spirit would remind her where they were. This was before the tiles that you could hit and they would beep at you, right? And we found them and went on. And that's such a minute thing, right? But it was the concept of, wow, it didn't occur to me to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. And I got to wonder how many times God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is sitting there saying, would you just ask already? I'll send him. He's in you. He'll help you. That's what I made this for. I set this up for him to help you. And here's the part, and it wasn't until later when I started you know, growing even more in my theological studies that I realized something even deeper. That when I don't ask God for help, it actually robs God of his glory. It actually robs God from the opportunity to help me in a way that would glorify him as the one who is the giver of the help. And that's the point I was trying to make and I'm trying to make with you now. Is it's not just that help is available to us if we ask. It's that if we don't ask, we're robbing God from the opportunity to do what he set it up to do, which is to help us. And here was the fundamental thought that I, it took me a while to understand. When I get help, he gets glory. 
When I get help, he gets glory. How amazing is that? So now I'm like, God, glorify yourself and help your boy. Help me. Help me. And that's the system. And just in case you didn't believe me, now let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. Because here's how you need to know the, the, how the Bible works. It's progressive in the sense, not politically speaking, but your Bible is called a progressive revelation. And what that means is it moves forward. And as it moves forward, you get more understanding. So we understand more now because we're outside of the New Testament times than they did before they understood in the gospel times. And so the way it works is the gospels, the four gospels tell you about Jesus. The book of Acts tells you about the acts of the church. And then from Romans on, explains out the theology of everything that meant about what Jesus did in the acts of the church. So we read the latter part of the New Testament to get a, an understanding of what happened in the, New, in the Gospels, which was prophesied about in the Old Testament. So my point is this. If you build out a theology just from reading something in the Gospels, and then later on it contradicts what you thought, you're wrong. Because those letters are there. They're letters to churches because the churches got whack in their theology. And Paul's like, nope, nope, nope. Yes, yes, yes. So he's helping them. So look at what he says in Romans chapter eight. This is, and I said this before, it's arguably called one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And, and ironically, it's a lot about the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says here in Romans eight, verse 22, and we'll go down to 27. He says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, the first fruits. If you don't know what first fruits are, it is fruit that is first. All right. And so what that means is we were saved, which is what he says. Look at this grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24. Look for in this hope, we were saved. See how he speaks past tense. That's the first fruits. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26. Likewise, in the same way, the Spirit, what's that next word there? That was so weak. We got to do this again. All right, we got to say it like you actually believe he's going to do it. All right. Likewise, come on, Jasper, online. Likewise, the Spirit. That was better. I want it one more time because third time is a charm is what they say. All right, so be charming, all right? Likewise, the Spirit, there we go, us in our weakness. So let's, let's talk about this. Paul, he was just building out in Romans chapter eight about suffering, about how we are to handle life when we suffer. And now he's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, we who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, and then he says, this hope in which we were saved. And so this is why I was telling you last week, if you were here, we got saved by the Holy Spirit. This is why I don't like the theology that says baptism in the Holy Spirit comes later, because my whole point is you're not saved without the Holy Spirit. He is the one who regenerates you, saves you. So theologically speaking, now, now go with me here. This is, on, think of like a timeline. So in Christ, 
The Holy Spirit saves us when he opens our eyes, we see the truth about who Jesus is, and we believe. That's when we are saved. But then Paul talks about a future tense saving that's coming. And then he clarifies it and he says, this is the redemption of our bodies, physical. So again, think last week, metaphysical, saved inwardly, saved from our sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will return and the Holy Spirit will raise us up again. If we died, he'll raise our bodies up. If we're alive, we'll be changed instantly, get brand new bodies. He'll save us physically. This is what theologians call the already and not yet tension. So think about this on a timeline. He saved us in the past. He will save us in the future. And right now, we're in this in-between time where we're saved spiritually, but we're not saved physically yet. But then watch what Paul does. And in this time, the Spirit helps you. He helps you. He saved you, first fruits. He will save you, last fruits. Right now in the middle, he helps you. He helps you. This is why he says, likewise, in the same manner, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us. Now this word here, help, it's one of two places where this word occurs in the New Testament. The other one is when Martha and Mary, one was working, one wasn't. And Martha's like, hey, she ain't helping. Tell her to come help me. And this is the other time. And I don't know, you know, there's different words that they choose, but this word is a really, really long Greek word. So long, it has two prefixes on it because one wasn't enough. But I'm gonna show you this word here on the screen because I can't just say it and you appreciate it. I need you to see it, all right? Here's the Greek word on the screen. This is the Greek word for the four-letter English word help. All right, look at this. Sin, or soon is how you say it in Greek, anti-lambanomai. Soon anti-lambanomai. Now, Next to that, I broke it down into the three parts. S-Y-N is a prefix, prefix, listen to me. Prefix, anti is a prefix, and then lambanomai is the word, is the, is the verb, the action. Now, here's why I'm stressing this. This is fascinating to me. The word there, S-Y-N, again, we would say it's sin. Think of the English word synergy. Synergy, same prefix. And the word synergy, made up of two words, prefix, S-Y-N, energy, and it comes from the Greek word ergo, which means work. So the word synergy means to work together. It means to work together. I found this fascinating because in one of the tools that I use to study in this S-Y-N, this prefix, it said... It means, it's a preposition that means a deep union or together. And in parentheses, it said this. And I just was like, this right here is the reason why we don't pray God be with us. Literally, I kid you not, in parentheses, it says, closer 
than the Greek word para and the Greek word meta. Closer. He is together with us in a way, now watch this, that the Spirit works with us synergistically. There's this working together that happens. Now, theologically speaking, it's important to understand this. When you are saved, we believe here at this church that your salvation was not synergistic, a working together. It's what's called, theologically speaking, monergistic. Now, monergistic, mono means how many? You guys are smart, see? See, you were saved monergistically, which means there was one person working. Now, why do we believe that? Because the Bible says you were dead. And I don't know if you know this, but dead people don't work. You're like, I know, I got a dead beat that lives with me. He don't work. <laughs> Needs to get out of there in that labor participation rate. Make it go up. So the idea of monergistically, we are saved monergistically means there was one person working. That was the Holy Spirit. You weren't bad, and then he made you good. You were dead, and he made you alive. He didn't throw you a life raft and, and say, grab onto it. He went down to the bottom of the sea, grabbed your dead body, brought you up to the shore, breathed life into you. That's how you were saved. Now watch this. You're saved monergistically, but you grow synergistically. Why? Here's what's even cooler. Because the Holy Spirit now who made you alive is working in you, but you're working, but the one of you that's working were made alive by him, so it's him working in you, but y'all are working together. This is why, and I didn't say it in every gathering, but I did say it in 1115 last week about that. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to like make fun of every Christian cliche thing, but if I can nail them all before I die, then that would be good. But one of the most Christian cliche things is that, that, that poster or that painting that has the footprints in the sand, you know? Like there's two sets of footprints and then it goes down to one. And then it's like, the guy's like, Jesus, why did you leave me in this, this hardest time of my life? There was only one set of footprints. And then Jesus says like real hallmarky, I didn't leave you, I was carrying you. Right, you know what I'm saying? The problem with that mentality is the idea that I could actually walk, the idea that there was actually two sets of footprints ever. There's never two sets of footprints. There's only one. But here's what's crazy. They're not Jesus's footprints. They're my footprints empowered by the spirit of Jesus. So I, I'm not the one who's enabling myself to walk. The spirit is. How is he doing it? Synergistically. Now, that was just one prefix. Let's go back to that word again. Sin, anti. Now, if you know anything about words, you know the word anti. It means, normally translated, against. Now, if you're smart, you're like, hold up. I thought the help was centered, like with, together, not against. So it makes it sound like it reads together against. But the word anti can also mean opposite. Think about it like this, different. The best example I can give you is interestingly enough, 
the same word helper that occurs in Hebrew in the Old Testament. When God made man and he said, I will now make, wow, man, a woman who is a helper for him. Not less in importance or role. In fact, she, the female form, was the greatest, uh, is the last thing that God cre ever created, which we you know you save the best for last. So, in no way is the woman less than, just different. And the Hebrew word there literally means one that's like him, but watch this, opposite him. Opposite. And again, We've gone crazy in this world where we now no longer think there's no difference between male and female, which is ridiculous because you can just look at them anatomically, they're different. And they fit together because they're opposites. Now, watch this. Paul's saying here, the Holy Spirit is opposite you. Check this. He was designed to be opposite of you and fit together with you perfectly. Let me clarify, sorry, he wasn't designed. We were designed, he's always been. That's one of those things that gets you in trouble. He was always there, we were designed to be his opposite in a way that female was designed to be the opposite of male to work synergistically together. And then the word lambanomai means this, to take with the hand lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. Remember I was telling you about that logo with a hamburger helper? What was it of? A hand. See, I can stretch this analogy out forever. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the human helper because he takes us by his hand. Again, metaphysically speaking. Works together with us by empowering us because he's opposite of us. He fits together perfectly with us and he empowers us to use us for God's glory and his mission. Now let's go to the rest of Romans. Look at this. I love how Paul says this. For we don't even know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself. I love that. I, he could have just said, but the spirit but to remind, no, he's a person, not a force, not a thing, not Star Wars. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts, that would be the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, watch this, according to the will of God. Let me say it to you like this. We don't even know how to pray right. This is why when I ask people to pray in public, they're like, no, pastor, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. Now I'm gonna start saying to you, just open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will snatch it and translate it for you. Now think about this. The Bible talks about our prayers going up to heaven like incense, like a fragrance that God smells. And what makes them smell good? It's not your eloquent words, so quit talking eloquently. It's like when people get all breathy. They talk normal, then they're like, oh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? And you say junk that you would never say. Here's what's amazing. Paul's saying, open your mouth 
with a heart that wants to pray to your father to seek help and the helper, the Holy Spirit, will snatch them before they reach him and translate them so that they get to him where he hears them according to his will. So he helps us, and think about this, praying is not even physically working. So therefore, it should be the easiest thing to do, just speaking words. But Paul's like, we can't even do that right. We need the Spirit to help us. But here's what's amazing. He himself is there to help you. He's there to help. Now let me give you two more verses, and then we're done. John 15, we'll get to this before, but I want to bring it up because this is the third time Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says, just in case you didn't believe me. Look at this, John 15, 26 and 27. But when the helper comes, not if, but when. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, we've already talked about the role of truth, who proceeds from the Father, the Holy Spirit moves. He's a mover and a shaker. He's the one who gets stuff done. He will bear witness about me, but watch this, verse 27. And you also will bear witness because you have seen, you have been me with me from the beginning. Don't miss this. There's one more verse I'm gonna show you that I never connected to what Jesus said here. He said, he's gonna come and bear witness about me to you, and then you're gonna go bear witness about me to them. But how's that gonna happen? By the Spirit. Now, real quickly, you don't have to turn there, Acts 1.8. I just wanna show you how this all fits together. Verse eight of Acts 1, he says this, but you will receive power. Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and check this, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus was setting them up saying, listen, when he resurrects, he's gonna give them the great commission, go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, make disciples. That's what it means to be his witness. And then Jesus says, but you can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit, so wait here until he comes upon you to empower you to do what I've commanded you to do. Why? Because you need a helper. You need a helper. So church, if God set up the whole system for the Spirit to help us, which is the title of the message, the Spirit helps us, then all we have to do is ask. Ask him, and he'll help us. Let me leave you with this quote from John Newton. It's not a verse that he wrote, or it's actually a part of a song, a hymn that he wrote, very famous, and it says this. You are coming to your king. Large petitions with you bring, for his grace and power are such None can ever ask too much. You're coming to your king, church. You're coming to the king of all creation. And he told you, ask. Your dad, the father, can beat up anybody. Your dad can beat up their dad. Your, your king can beat up the ruler of any other kingdom. And he has said to you, ask me, ask me. You can't ask too much, you can't ask too little because his power and grace are such. He never gets tired of you asking too much.
And Jesus said, he will empower you to be my witnesses. He will help you. Why? Because just like the hamburger helper, he's the human helper. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Again, thank you for your word, but thank you for how you set this up. Yes, you knew when you created the world that we would sin and disobey. But because you knew that, the Bible says you had already sent Christ before the foundation of the world. And you had already sent the Holy Spirit to help us to know Christ and to obey Christ. And so God, the power is there. The power is available to us if we'll just ask. And God, I know there are people here today that have never trusted in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit has opened their eyes like we talked about monergistically. He is working to open their eyes to see that they need to be saved. And so God, I pray right now that you would empower them by the Spirit in faith to trust you and be saved. So no one looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted Jesus, but today for the first time you understand your need, but you didn't understand the help that was available to you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see that now, then you can confess, respond in faith and be saved. So if that's you, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. I'm just gonna introduce you to the Father. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. And now you have sent the Spirit to open up my eyes to see my need to be saved. So right now, I ask you to save me. Forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting in Jesus alone. For him to take my sin and for you to give me his righteousness and make me clean. Thank you for loving me. No one looking around or talking as always. If you're in person and you just pray to trust Christ, would you just simply lift up your hand so we can see that? We got men and women gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. Thank you. But whether you're watching online or gathered together in person, we wanna know who you are, so you'll have an opportunity to fill out that digital connection card and let us know so we can just follow up with you. But then those of us who have trusted Jesus, like I said last week, maybe you now understand Maybe you were praying in a way that was powerless, just, hey, be with me, but now you're convicted in a way that says, no, I wanna pray more specifically and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, empower me. He is with me, because he's in me. But now if I just ask, he'll empower me to be his witness. And so if that's you, again, understand that the Spirit is here to help you. He is our human helper. 
he will reach down with his hand, empower us, work together with us because he's opposite of us. He's not like us. He never gets tired. He never gets exhausted. So ask him to help you. Father, again, thank you. Thank you for loving us. and Thank you for making help available to us. So would you help us? In the name of Jesus, we ask God, would you help us fill us with your spirit, empower us to obey you and be your witnesses as a church and as the church individually in our homes and workplaces and communities. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.